Hello everyone, I'm Colin here with Ashley and Megan and today uh, we have a special episode because um, the Malaysian government has just announced a three-phase lockdown um, for the whole country um, including like a phase one total lockdown which is supposed to last for two weeks. Um, so we thought we'd record a special episode so that we can um, share our thoughts and like discuss what we think of this outcome. Um, but firstly, a disclaimer, we are not medical professionals and we don't claim to have like any expertise in terms of like, you know, the economy or the handling of the pandemic. So, you know, we're just here to discuss and share our thoughts on how the pandemic has progressed and where we're headed. Uh, so that we don't get cancelled, we are going to fact check everything we say and you will find links relevant to what we talk about in the show notes. Um, so yes, uh, with that we shall start, yay. Um, okay, so um, just hey. in case, yes, yay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, Megan put a clap reaction in Zoom. Um, okay, but uh, okay, just for context, if anyone hasn't realized yet, after like <laughs> two episodes of us speaking in a Malaysian slang, we are from Malaysia. And um, <laughs> essentially what happened on last Friday, like the 28th of May, was that the government announced um, a plan to uh, lock down uh, the country because of like really, really high cases right now, um, closing to about 10,000 a day. And um, essentially there are three phases to this plan, which includes a two week phase one lockdown uh, in which like all sectors are closed, all economy sectors are closed, except essential uh, sectors. Uh, and then a phase two lockdown, which will last four weeks, assuming phase one works, which is less strict. Uh, so more sectors will be opened. And then phase three lockdown, which will be similar to the current lockdown we are going through, which is, yeah, um, more laxed than the first two phases. So, um, with that in mind though, we are, uh, this, this is most definitely necessary. I think we can all agree because like the cases are really going to the moon and, uh, it is, I don't think it is stopping at the moon anytime soon. So why don't we just, uh, start with discussing about what you guys think like got us here to cases going to the moon. Yes, actually. <laughs> Colin and the moon. Okay, so first of all, we all know last year we were doing great. Uh-huh. We had single digits. At mm-hmm. some points, we had zero cases yes. a day. Zero cases Life a day. was this this close to so going close. back to normal. Yes. So close. And then, oh, this is a bit into politics, but it, it's factual. Uh, the Sabah election happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that and that's is a when fact. the first. That's when it first skyrocketed mm-hmm. kind of it, it peaked again yeah um whenever i talk to my parents about this and i always say like oh the sabah election you know, imagine if the sabah election didn't happen they'll always bring up the fact that even if the sabah election didn't happen something else might have happened which is a fair point but i would like to say that was the catalyst yeah and what continued to spiral the situation it made it snowball was the fact that after the sabah election all of our MCOs, all of our SOPs and protocols and movement restrictions were really, really lax compared to what it was when we had double-digit cases. Mm. Like, the way we handled triple-digit cases compared to double-digit cases was very different. Mm -hmm. And it just caused everything to get worse and worse. And then, I feel like after that, the second peak was when it was during Ramadan uh, because um, Chinese knew everything was um, all the movement was restricted open houses don't have pasar malams for our foreign viewers if we have any that's a night market our night markets were closed <laughs> you know and things are going from like I think around 4,000 3,000 to about 2,000 and 1,000 things were getting slightly better yes and everything opened up for Ramadan bazaars prayers everything and I think that's where everything just spiraled Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's mainly to do with the fact that our 
how we handled the situation, our protocols, what we were allowed to do and not allowed to do. One thing was not very clear, second thing was pretty laxed. We pretty much had life back to normal except that we wore masks and we called it MCO. Yeah, we definitely called it MCO. Um, <laughs> but really it was it was more or less normal. Normal life. Yeah. Right. Um and everyone was just living with the ignorance that we had. Like, you know, although we had like two thousand cases a day, like it was nothing. So it, I think I think the two thousand cases became a norm and we're mm-hmm. like, yeah. Let's just go along with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, like, to add on to what Ashley said, I think what I think the problem, the the, the main issue that, uh, like, made us come back to this point where we are right now, and even worse than before, is that, um, people seem to people seem to have like a uh, a lower a lower benchmark as to the number of cases that are considered low. Every single time a spike happens and the cases go down, it isn't just it isn't just the people, but it is also um, the desperation for like businesses and sectors to open up again, and the speed at which we do it that just makes everything get even worse. And before we can go back to some sense of normalcy, cases start going back up again, and there's like yeah, to me, it's just too soon. It's always been too soon And this time it was too soon again And yeah That's why I feel we're here And um, it, I don't think it has really helped That we've had to go through this quite a few times I feel like uh, most Malaysians are getting very tired Of like Always being asked to stay at home Always being asked to um, not go out so much Two people in a car Three people in a car One person in a car Police roadblocks um, Like People are getting tired of the pandemic. And as much as like, you know, people are still dying from it, but like, yeah, people are getting tired. Personally, if after the Sabah election, we went back into the first total lockdown, I wouldn't have mind. So as long as we got our cases back down yeah, to zero. But I don't, for some reason, we didn't. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have minded either. Um, I would prefer that over whatever we're going through right now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Megan, what do you think? When Ashley said, like, when we were at zero, not zero cases, like, at least single, at least single cases, right? And then everyone was, like, very happy, and then everyone started going out and stuff, right? I, I, okay, honestly, deep down, I kind of feel like we were happy way too fast, as in we were so excited way too fast. Like, I get it, like, we were all waiting for that, that whole week where we just had, like, one case or zero cases right we were all waiting for that and it actually came and everybody started going out and i was like i mean yeah i was damn happy going out as well but i feel like we all was too excited and i am and then it peaked and then i just oh no man oh no and then now we're here and i just oh no man it's so bad i cannot I cannot sleep properly because yes, I'm so worried. Yes, it's okay, everybody. This is a this is a this is a very good example of pandemic fatigue. It is fine, um, but yes, as evidenced oh, no by Megan, meds. everyone is yes. Oh no, man! Really tired and like. Um, we, can we change the episode name to Oh no, man? Oh no, man! <laughs> Sounds good. Oh no, COVID nineteen in Malaysia. Oh no, man! Oh no, man! <laughs> <laughs> No, but no, but seriously, I mean, serious line. yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Megan. But on a more serious note, um, we I genuinely feel like we were way too excited, went out way too fast, and when we hit the, no, I wouldn't say a peak because like now it's not now it's a peak, but at the time that peak when we hit like oh shit, you know, double DJs or like suddenly triple DJs again. The, the restrictions were not like strict at all it wasn't that I mean it was there but like it wasn't clear enough and I feel like we just spiraled from there you know and now it's just even worse because I feel like it's just a spiraling into a deeper void you feel yeah yeah which is which is which is why I personally think that like everyone everyone has had this like increasing threshold of number of cases that to them is okay 
you know it used to be yeah. oh my gosh 50 cases is a lot panic 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 uh, and then when we got to like exactly. 2000 cases when we got back to like 600 cases everyone was like oh yeah it's just 600 cases oh i mean god, it's 600? cool yeah let's no, go at out. one point it was like oh my god we're back to 1000 uh-huh uh-huh yeah <laughs> exactly yeah and then a year ago we had 1000 we have flipped our shit we have gone into some weird ass lockdown where no one can leave the exactly. house the government will give out food to you or yeah. something Exactly. <laughs> and this year, when we reached 5,800 peak in January, and we got back down to like 1,000, everyone was like, oh my gosh, only 1,000 cases a day. Let's like go out and like have fun. Oh my and god. Like, yeah. <laughs> Let's just hang out in huge groups and like spit at each other's faces or something. I don't know. But uh, I, wish, I yeah. wish someone put a threshold. Like, I wish someone like was in charge of looking at, in, like, no, I'm oh, sorry, looking at. COVID and looking at the pandemic as a whole and like telling like Malaysians that this is the threshold or like this is what you guys are supposed to be okay with you know like why why are we just not having a threshold anymore why uh yeah and I think I think one problem one problem is like in terms of uh regulation and um just regulation and handling of this pandemic in general in this country it hasn't been exactly consistent and i think the people setting the rules and making the regulations are getting as tired as the malaysians so you know yeah and um yeah it's it's up to you how you want to take that but like it is it is that uh on top of the fact that people are tired because if rules are in place and rules are enforced well as tired as people are people are not going to be able to do things um but sadly the rules has the 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 rules and regulations like you know being implemented on and off being so like volatile and sudden and all hasn't really helped with like everyone's morale and uh determination to like you know get lower cases so i feel like we've reached the point where We've all just okay. I I not we all are, but it just feels like people have given up. Cause okay, if given up, but I mean like because we're just gonna think, oh, you know, it's just gonna get worse and worse from here. Yeah, and we don't know what to do, and that's what I mean by we give up. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of sad, but I I don't blame anyone. Like I kind of kind of gave up too, but it yeah, it's just really tiring. Uh. Yeah, I think. I think the takeaway from this, because look, it's happened many times. We had a first tiny little wave of like, wow, 200 cases a day. And then we went, we got back <laughs> down to like, you know, single digit cases. And then, you know, in September, it went back up all the way to like 2000 cases a day. And we all panicked for a bit. We went back down again, just mm-hmm. for a bit before it went all the way back up to 5000 cases a day. And now we're up to like 9000 cases a day. And the latest figures today is 6999 um, as of recording. So we've gone through many waves, but the starting point keeps getting higher and the peaks keep getting higher because people just feel more okay with higher numbers and they feel more laxed. And uh, it's hard to blame them. Really it is because we've been through this for a whole year and a half and I I don't think anyone ever expected to be sitting at home and staying this way for a whole year and a half. So, um, yeah, it's it's not easy, but I think I think that the I think the takeaway from this, after having been through this like three times, is is really to just be patient and be more careful because it's not it's not just it's not just people who are you know evolving and like it's not just the healthcare system that's improving in the country. It's also the virus that's actually mutating and getting worse and more vicious and we are seeing younger people die and um just yesterday like on the on the death list there was like an 18 year old um with no history of like any health conditions that 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 died from covid and um you know we're starting to see people from younger age groups die instead of just seniors and it it just shows that it's actually getting very serious and um if and this was all caused by people thinking that cases are low and 
um, you know, going out and enjoying life when things are just not suitable for that yet. Had we just waited a little bit more, had we just waited a few weeks, yeah, we would have so we have we would have a much much better outcome. Like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But, um, but again, this isn't the only reason that I I would say to be fair, regulation is um also to be blamed here. But uh, I think the, the at at least from our end as Malaysians, the the best we can do is just be patient and uh, you know try to let like the healthcare system do its thing and uh, let cases settle down first before we get too excited because that that early excitement comes at a huge cost a huge cost yeah. like we, we don't see yet you see so um, I feel really bad for our frontliners man yeah yeah because when, when we had like a glimpse of hope and they were finally like I mean, they were still busy, but that glimpse of hope was like, maybe, you know, like next week I won't be this busy. And it turns out, damn, six months down the road, I'm still... Yeah, that's right. They're so tired. And even worse. Yeah. It's... It's really sad. We're nearing like 80,000 active cases now. Imagine... Yeah. Imagine 80,000 people sick with COVID-19. That can fill that can fill up more than a stadium. Imagine a whole stadium of people all just sick with COVID nineteen, and like eight hundred of them is, about to die. <laughs> it's not, yeah. It's it's, it's really it's sad. Yeah. I feel so bad. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. I think, I think what people fail to realize is that, uh, it isn't just, it isn't just the frontliners, and it isn't just like. You know, uh, in everybody's minds, other people who suffer who suffer from this. You know, it's it's we ourselves too. You know, being in this country and and, and living here, we you know, if if you think you're just one person going out and like um, just taking a coffee with a bunch of friends or like you know going to have some fun somewhere, it's not just you, <laughs> really. It's it's like the other thirty four million people in this country who are going to be affected by your actions and the precautions you choose to take. You know, so. Mm-hmm. And if everyone has that mentality of, oh, you know, I'm just one person going out. What's the difference? What's that gonna? What difference is that gonna make? If everyone has that mentality, all 34 million of us will be out of the house. Mm. Yeah, and it's just contributing to all the lack of social distancing and being unable to follow SOPs and everything. Well, I guess for some people, it's hard to see that your whatever you do affects so many other people. Mm. Because you can't see the, the consequence. You, yes, you can't see it. That's the problem. No one would think at a thousand cases a day, going out would cause this mess that we are seeing right now. No one would think that. No one would be able to see that. Um, as... As, as as far as as far as statistical predictions go, there is no way anyone would like would like um, see this for sure because we don't know at at this current point in time what everyone in the country is doing and where everyone is and if everyone is you know following social distancing measures or not. So it really is up to you yourself and the individual to like really make sure that you're trying your best to like you know do your part in it at least. Because the, the 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 people who are really gonna be affected by your actions may not just be you, but can also be your your parents, your family members around you, and especially those who are older, who can get like you know really sick from this, and that's not something that we want towards anyone. So, um, yeah, I think I think everyone really has an equal role. Yeah. Well, why don't we why don't we talk about whether we think. Uh, what like what do you guys think about the implementation of this like total lockdown? Are you guys hopeful? Uh, do you do you think it it came in too late? I think um it definitely did come in too late. Again, I would have implemented this if the moment Sabah started, like right after the outbreak from Sabah, right? I would have started this immediately. But I can I can see from an economical standpoint why it was not implemented. Because I'm pretty sure at that point, our economy was really suffering. I, I wrote this in an econ's essay. Our exports dropped about 20-something percent from 
in in I think April 2020, and I don't think us as a developing country could have afforded losing any more of our aggregate demand and econ stuff, macroeconomy. Um, but it's always the argument of, uh, how do I phrase this? Lives and livelihood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like. How how important is the economy in comparison to the lives of your people? Yeah. As much as it's important, there's yeah. so many lives at stake. Look at how bad it is now. Mm-hmm. I think the implementation of this total lockdown is great. I is it going to be as strict as the first MCO? Um. Well, they just announced uh the standard operating procedures today. Uh, based on what was announced very briefly, although the exact SOP document isn't out yet, um, the sectors that have been Ordered to close, and those that have been given exceptions are mostly similar to the lockdown we, uh, lockdown rules we were given in March of last year. So, we should be seeing the same effects, but I think one variable that uh we won't be able to control is how the people take it, and if people choose to breach these rules or not. Because as yeah. much as hard as the police and the authorities try, it's not foolproof. And if people decide to go out to their house and you know do whatever they want to, n- not everyone is able to be stopped. So yeah, um, yeah. In terms of rules, regulations, um, honestly, as late as it might have been, um, this is a good move, and obviously this is necessary. And late is better yeah. than never. Um, yes, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, in, instead. Instead of like you know moping about the fact that it's late, I'm I'm just really glad that it has been implemented and that we're doing this, and like I, my only hope and honestly my only worry is just that people don't follow this because it's been so long, and again I like I said, like it's the hard to blame them. Yeah. Yeah, the effectiveness is significantly less than, um, the March lockdown, and That's I right. feel like that means we might be in lockdown for even longer mm-hmm. than. When what we went through in March, but also I remember in March, right? There were roadblocks literally at almost every turn. Mm-hmm. It was so hard to go anywhere without roadblock. Like um, that time I was living in a different area, and right outside my house is a roadblock. And going anywhere, you had to go through at least two, three roadblocks. And I don't think it's gonna be as strict this time round. Um, so if I'm not the wrong, the is- police actually announced that uh, they are increasing the number of roadblocks from the current six hundred to eight hundred. Uh, I'm not sure how that is compared to last year, but uh, well, there will be an increase in roadblocks, and I think manpower is also being stretched a bit thin, uh, So it's yeah. not, it's because like compared to the last time, uh, in terms of like a state by state breakdown of the number of cases we're we're having, uh, most of the cases last time were concentrated in KL and Selangor, and so. It was easy for you know everyone to like focus their attention on these main two states where like the outbreak was happening very rampantly. Whereas now we're seeing like three digit cases in almost every single state except for the federal territories, which are honestly tiny, and so like a single digit would already be pretty high for them. So, um, and then Selangor and KL just have four digits. Yeah, yes. yeah. So yeah, I I would say authorities are stretched really thin. So I'm not sure how much it would help increasing the number of roadblocks to 800 but i i think i think which they're trying their best and like i think it's really up to like the um the rakyat to you know yeah. stay at home and like do what they're supposed the, to the policies yeah. can only implement so much that's right after that it's up to us to actually follow through that's right yeah yeah i i actually I actually um share the same thoughts as actually i feel like I feel like it would have obviously been like a much better decision to um, do a snap lockdown like the ones they're doing in Australia nowadays. Um, you know, for like 7 to 14 days, um, everything closed, only going out of the house for five reasons and then um, opening back up when when everything is uh, better again. But um, to a certain extent, there is reason why uh, that was not done here because um, our people may not be as well off. And... Um, I think in terms of the economy and um, finance-wise, the government is also being stretched really thin with all of these like stimulus packages. So, uh, it's it's uh, to like I said to a certain extent, it's understandable. But 
in like long term looking back at the past year the benefits of doing a snap lockdown would have given much more economical benefit as well as benefits for lives had that happened the cost and benefits that's right yeah 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 i think singapore also did a snap lockdown because there was a sudden outbreak Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and their cases are really low compared to us so it's very surprising that it took this long Mm -hmm. to come to the decision to have a total lockdown it's true and the, the thing is like even with this like total lockdown that's being implemented right now we can't just expect cases to drop they're not gonna drop to 50 tomorrow and um, yeah given the number of cases we're at right now um, it's gonna take a while so I don't think we should be expecting a a snap lockdown to like drastically reduce cases to something um, something acceptable but it the I think the point right now is to just stop it from increasing further because the healthcare system is really about to collapse and in some places in the country it already has so um, we just really need to like stop putting the strain on it is really the point here and like at the very least have cases plateau at where we are right now because um, we really just can't afford it to go any higher but I don't, I, I don't personally think given the policies that are implemented right now at this stage it's gonna I, I, I don't think as strict as we are it's really gonna like get things back to normal as fast as we think it will so people really still need to be patient I don't know what what do you think Megan like of the implementation of this total lockdown I wish that it was I wish it happened a lot earlier than this I don't know okay but to be fair I I'm not an econ student so I like, did not know the stats about it so yeah but I totally agree with the late is better than nothing, right? This is really bad. This is like worse than it ever has been. And I just wish that things were a lot stricter way earlier. Because like I said, like in the beginning, people are getting tired. People are slowly giving up. And right now, I don't know if you did it like slightly earlier, then, you know, people wouldn't be so um demotivated mm. and stuff right but again i'm like not talking i mean i'm just a student right and kind of privileged because i don't need to go out there and work i don't need to depend like on you know being out there and having a business out there i'm i'm, I'm really privileged yeah. for that and for, that's why for like the economic side of it i can understand why um we couldn't do this earlier right but yeah i don't know it's just yeah but like again you know in the long run considering three long lockdowns and like a a tiny like you know pause to the economic sector for like this whole time compared to just a two-week short complete lockdown i think i think it would have been much more beneficial had we done that earlier and if Mm -hmm. i i just feel like i just feel like what we lack right now in as a country is just is that a word pro pro proactivity like we just need to be proactivism proactivism oh, okay like, whatever english we need to just, be more proactive. yeah we just need to be more proactive to the situation you know and i just feel like people mm. need to be more informed as to what's happening the, the um how cases are trending and people really just need to understand that a sudden dip in cases like we had today from 9,020 yesterday to 6,999 today doesn't completely show the whole picture. Don't think... It doesn't that, mean the situation is yes, getting better. Yeah, we could very well... I mean, yep. obviously we don't want that, but we could very well just hit a new high again in the next few days. Um, th- this sudden drop could mean many things. It could mean um, lower numbers of testing. Um, it... It could also mean that, um, to be fair, it could also very well mean that the past few days have been a spike from a certain cluster somewhere in the country. But yeah, we're looking at many variables here. And in terms of pandemic spread, cases don't drop that fast. So um, I just feel like people need to be more informed. And that's what we lack. We need to be more informed and we need to be more proactive. Not just in terms of 
uh, not just in terms of setting regulations, of course, which is a really, really, really important thing, um, but also the people themselves, you know, and just the way we choose to like lead our lives given the current situation. I just feel like there isn't, there isn't informed assessment being done by people on the risk based on the current situation. I don't know, do you have anything to add, Megan, to that? I do wish someone actually um, showed us the trends and showed us the stats behind it and not just, I understand like not everyone's going to understand the stats behind it and nobody's yeah. going to understand the trends yeah. like as accurately, right? Yeah. But now we're just looking at numbers and we're just basing like, we're just basing everything off those numbers. Yeah. So I don't know, I wish there was someone out there who, you know, showed everyone hey look this is why it's this number of cases or this is why blah blah blah, blah. to explain further than just show like this is how many cases this is how many deaths and that's yeah. it you know i i i think i think i get what megan's I think it's so yeah important. yeah i think i can get behind that as well um if i could just like synthesize that into like something more concise because um just for context i'm like I'm just a first year stat student, but uh, the, the, the problem is we are showing off cases like they're just numbers on the leaderboard, you know? Yeah. Whoa, 9,020 cases today. Whoa, yeah. huge number of cases. Oh my God. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be, you know? Like, if you want to look at it comparatively, scientifically, everyone's going, whoa, oh my gosh, Selangor has the highest number of cases. Look at all the news articles. Headlines always goes, XXX number, uh, numbers of cases today. Selangor takes the lead with, like, how many cases. This is not a race. This is not a competition, mind you. This is, like, we are not, like, betting on horses here, okay? And Selangor is not being the fastest horse. I am yeah. sorry. What, what we're talking about here is <laughs> because Selangor has the is the most popular state in the country, okay? And um, and and we're doing the most mass testing. That's right. If if you want to talk about like pure numbers, I have the numbers here. Selangor has six point eight million people, and no other state has this many people. So imagine, imagine in a state of six point eight million people, getting two thousand cases a day, is more or less the same as a state of like one. Point one million people getting like you know 200 cases a day it's like we're looking at the number of we should be looking at the number of people per 100,000 population or per million population and that's per the capita. best bench yes yes that's the best benchmark to like compare different states because obviously different states has different um, different uh, different populations so it's not it's not really fair to just say oh look Selangor's doing the worst in terms of COVID because um, they have the highest number of cases. Again, like I said, this is not a leaderboard and I don't think it's fair to say that. And this is one of the things where I feel like people get wrong. Yeah, I just feel like people need to be more informed of these kind of things and the government is not... Uh, the government just needs to be more transparent with their data. I, I feel... I ju I'm just going to say it because... Um, I mean, they cannot assume that the yet knows, you know. Yeah. That's There's right. a lot of people out there who are not as educated as people who study stats and understand mm -hmm. why there are variances and That's like right. the the implications of each number depending on the state, on the population, on the mm -hmm. amount of testing you're doing. Not everyone has that kind of education. So it's important that the government take like steps in and provides that information for yeah, the right. That's right. And like I think Ashley briefly mentioned just now that Selangor is doing more testing for um for their citizens and that is that's actually true um see the thing is the number of cases you end up detecting also depends on the number of tests you're doing obviously if you do one test the most number of people you detect in a day is one person so yeah. if a place is not doing enough tests you won't get enough positive cases and no that is not a good thing because if you don't get tested, you won't know if you're positive and you'll just be a silent spreader going everywhere and like, you know, making this even worse for everybody. And so It's the yeah. same energy as Donald Trump going, Oh, we have so many cases cause you know we're testing so much. That's I tell right. my men to stop the testing. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So on the bright side of things, we've been trending upwards uh in terms of testing. And so uh compared to just 
two weeks ago when we were averaging about like 80,000 80, cases a day, we are, I mean 80,000 tests a day, not 80,000 cases, sorry. 80,000 tests a day, we are now averaging about like 110,000. But, uh, <laughs> but the thing is here, the thing here is that tests are going up, cases are going up, but the, the percentage the percentage of positive cases from the number of tests we make are still remaining the same. And this is an indication that we are not testing enough. And as much as, you know, the government should be applauded for like, inc- like increase, uh, increased testing, it's not enough. It really isn't. We're averaging about like 7% positive rates and the, uh, the WHO actually recommends like, you know, less than five as an indication that the pandemic's under control in this country because we're not detecting enough people who are positive and they may, there may still be silent spreaders around. There's and a lot of silent carriers. That's right. So, many. so you know, and I guess as much as, much as uh, testing is to blame for that, I think it, like it goes back to being proactive, you know, uh, as, as an individual, if, if you feel like you have, you have any symptoms, like you need to like be aware of that and go for a test if you need to. So what's most important right now to be like, you know, uh, looking at flattening the curve is to test, is to find test, trace and isolate as fast as we can. And that's like a, that's like a, a model that uh, the government is uh, implement, uh, implementing, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Back to the proactivism, I would just like to say, instead of panic buying, the racket has resor- resorted to panic lepaking. Hmm. <laughs> As in once MCO is announced a few days before MCO starts, they all panic lepak with their friends. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right before everything gets locked down and that's on us. Uh, we have that responsibility to not do that. And I feel like a lot of the Rakyat actually don't take that responsibility. Yeah, that's true. And um sorry, like before I started just now, what I meant by FTTIS is um, find, test, trace, isolate, and support, and uh, it's it's a model like that the government's employing uh, to like, yeah, um, find cases faster so that we can isolate them from the community so that we can lessen the spread. And I, yeah, like like Ashley said, please, like we just need to stop, uh, proactive. But what what was it that you say? Something lepa. Panic lepaking. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. That. <laughs> Sorry. Like the, the mindset shouldn't be oh the government is locking down everything time to go hang out with my friends one that's last right. time that's right that's not it I understand why but no <laughs> yeah do we need to explain every like jargon we use in Malaysia Lepak means hanging out by the way for <laughs> our... I feel like we have one I think uh, we've kind of covered briefly on like uh, at least what in our p- opinions should be done and um, it's really Honestly, it's really, really good to see that at least in the past week that like the leadership in this country has been like taking steps to like, you know, uh, do all of these things that like people have been talking about for a very long time. Uh, again, uh, it might, it might be late, but late is better than ever. And, uh, at least we are, at least we are starting somewhere. And I just, I just really, 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 really hope that like people will cooperate because I feel like that is the one variable that, that we can't control and the best we can do is just do our own parts you know um i agree yeah um (laughs) well but i guess there's also this other light at the end of the tunnel um which is um about vaccination and uh, yeah and i i I think that is also one very important ex- aspect that you know we should be looking at when trying, to, uh, when handling this 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 pandemic, and um, uh, just as a brief overview of how Malaysia is doing, uh, we currently have access to three brands of vaccines: Pfizer, BioNTech, Sinovac, and AstraZeneca, and as of um, the 29th of May, we have about 5.3% of the population um, having at least one dose of the vaccine. I am one of them. That's right. Ashley Kuhn, MVP. Uh, um, I think that that is also looking to be another solution to like help um, slow the spread 
of uh, of the virus in the country. Um, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure we all know that we are also facing a lot of uh, issues regarding that, um, especially uh, uh, regarding reluctance uh, and uh, preferences towards certain brands. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Megan, do you have anything to like say about that? I'm just excited. By the time we release this episode, I wait. By the time we release this episode is June first. That yeah. means it's two more days, and I'll get my vaccination. <laughs> oh god! But like aside aside from that, um, I oh I I personally didn't like it when, um, was it the news about AstraZeneca? AstraZeneca, yes, um, yes and the is. blood clot news. Yes, and oh, it just boy. blew out of proportion. I mean, I get it. The risk is there. I understand completely that the risk is there, but it got. I I feel like okay. It it got bad from my point of view. It got so bad that there was exaggeration of how bad it was gonna get to the point where people really became reluctant on the vaccine. I mean, I understand the concern and I understand it, but sometimes it's sometimes it's like, is it an exaggeration or are they not showing you the true story or, you know, that kind of thing. And I feel really sad just looking at people turning away from an opportunity, you know, because it's a vaccine that that really could help. But, you know, because of all these news that blew out of proportion, people are really just turning away. And I, I just think that's really sad. Mm. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. Ashley, what, what, what do you think about like our current vaccine situation? Okay, so the vaccine situation, right? Um, God, uh, everything, it was when the first voluntary what was the thing? Voluntary vaccination, something, something. So when you could yes, there was the um, for context. There was uh, because of like all of the bad news surrounding the AstraZeneca <laughs> vaccine. Um, when when the when the country first got like its two hundred sixty eight thousand doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine, the government decided to uh, introduce like an opt in program for anyone above 18 years old for the vaccine instead of um, putting it together with like uh, the rest of the national immunization program uh, which actually was uh, is uh, vaccinating the senior citizens first um, yes so instead of doing that the government uh, put the AstraZeneca vaccine in a separate opt-in program so that anyone above 18 who can access the vaccine special committee website uh, to just register for their preferred date and time to get vaccinated um, and to receive specifically the AstraZeneca vaccine instead. And they, the, the government said that this is so that uh, it, would, uh, it wouldn't like decrease confidence in the, in the main national immunization program and so that it wouldn't like hurt the registration um, for that program either. Yeah, Ashley, you were about to like say something about that. Uh, no, I was just going to continue my point. So Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Uh so okay, so this is where we screwed up as a country, both Rakyat and government. Rakyat is oh my god, we do not explain Rakyat, right? As the people. Um <laughs> so, from the Rakyat's point of view, I had I a lot of the younger generation had arguments with their parents and had to have actual debates, present them PowerPoint presentations just to <laughs> tell them that the AZ vaccine was safe. There was so much fake news being spread around and I guess as a Rakyat, we didn't do enough due diligence to actually research whether all these fake WhatsApp messages being sent around by aunties and uncles. Yes, oh my gosh, fake WhatsApp messages being sent by aunties and uncles. Main culprit, I need to say COVID-19 caused by fake messages. No, no, just kidding. But yes, it is a bad (laughs) bad problem. And then then you can say, you can also say on the other... In, uh, on the other hand, the government also should have done their due diligence and informed mm. the right yet everything they needed to know. You know, get, provide the information that is needed because that's right. You can also assume that we as people don't have the do not have enough information to make rational decisions, mm. imperfect information basically. And 
because of that, right, there was a huge... It took a really long time for all the slots to be taken up for the first... For the first um, vaccination. Oh, yes. It did take AZ. about four hours, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. It took a pretty long time mm-hmm. comparing to the second round. And this is where I say we cannot only blame the website for crashing. It also crashed because there's a sudden surge of people realizing, oh, shit, all the AZ news I heard was fake or exaggerated <laughs> yeah. or they didn't understand the numbers that they got. Yeah. Especially with the blood clots, the whole... If you are below a certain age, you are four times more likely to get blood clots. But the, but but the percent, like the chances are still really really low, and people just didn't understand that. And it was also at that point where, um, AZ, AZ, AZ's data was pretty skewed. Like all the stats you got, the data was pretty skewed because they didn't. It wasn't, um, administered as much as Pfizer was, so their data wasn't as accurate. Like it was quite biased, the samples. And people just didn't understand that. And they let that fear get in the way of them getting vaccines. And this is why we are where we are now. Mm. There was a lot of misinformation or like not enough information being put out. Again, the same thing with like number of cases per day. It was all just numbers being put out. Four times more like... Four times wait, I can't English. Yeah, four times more likely to get blood clots. Yeah, four times. Yeah, four times more likely, and like it's so easy to just be like, "Oh shit, that's really bad," but nobody is there to put out more information or more data to be like, "This is why it's four times," or "This is what this number means." Ah, it's really sad. Yeah, Yeah. I keep saying it's really sad. I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) it is really sad though. Yeah. And and I mean just 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 for like technical information so that like you know we don't get cancelled and everybody is everybody knows that like we 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 know perfectly about this this um, AstraZeneca blood clot thing, the blood clot that we're referring to being caused by um, AstraZeneca is, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I am sorry, medical professionals, if anyone is listening to this, but um, <laughs> the 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 AstraZeneca blood clot condition that it causes is uh, known as thrombosis with uh, thrombocytopenia syndrome. And um, yes, yes, based on, stat- <laughs> based, on, based on statistics, why people say that um, younger people are four times more likely to get um, blood clots is because um, according to, uh, according to like a risk assessment done by the European Medicines Agency, uh, the cases of blood clots per hundred thousand people after the first dose of the of the AstraZeneca vaccine in people above uh, seventy years old is zero point five per hundred thousand people, and the cases of blood clots uh, in people ages twenty twenty nine is one point nine per hundred thousand people, so hence four times more likely. But again, like you see. It's 0.5 versus 1.9. So the risks are still really low. As much as it is four times more likely, and yes, you are at risk. You are more at risk if you are younger. That is not factually wrong. Your risk is still low. And so um, I feel that yeah, people are not being given the right information and information is not being presented in the right way for people to understand it. So um, yeah, I'm sorry for the stats rant. No, I... <laughs> You know, it was a very needed stats rant. And I also yes. just would like to emphasize on the fact that I can't believe there are people out there who believe that the costs of the vaccine outweigh the benefits of getting the vaccine mm. and avoiding COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, all the things that the vaccine, all the risk, the minuscule risk that you could get from the vaccine, you are likely to get from COVID. Yeah. <laughs> from contracting COVID and your your chances of contracting COVID right now are pretty damn high. Um, this, is my, this is my opinion and yeah. like solely my opinion because I know a lot of people out there don't agree with it. It's a vaccine at the end of the day. It's not a random like fluid they found and just like, oh, this could work. It's, it's a vaccine, you know, that is like, I know there's a risk, but it's a vaccine, man. <laughs> You know, there's a vaccine. Yes, it is definitely a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I understand the point of view of like parents who don't 
want to get it. I'm not saying like, oh, screw you because you're like an anti-vaxxer. Because I understand it's like, it's risky. Nobody really knows um, the, the full science behind it. And there is a risk. But at the end of the day, it's a vaccine that could help. That really, really could help the country. You know? It, you're right. You're right. You're, you're, you're definitely right. And um, yeah, these things about... Uh, these things about reluctance to take the vaccine and like brand preferences. Honestly, yes, it is not wrong that there's a difference between the Pfizer vaccine and the AstraZeneca vaccine. They are from different brands, they are made differently, made from different places, come from different places, and they are mm-hmm. they have different underlying technologies behind them. It is not wrong. But at the end of the day, they are both vaccines. They both vaccinate you against the same virus, right? And I just feel yeah. that Given, given like, the way we are right now, specific to Malaysia, given the way we are right now, I see no reason why to think not taking the vaccine is a better option. Honestly. You gotta take it, man. That's it's right. You gotta chance. take it. Yeah. yeah. You gotta, man. Uh-huh. 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 Um, I just need to point out one slight problem. Uh, that, that, I mean, isn't, isn't something that is uh, in our control, but... You know how the government decided to like organize these um, AZ opt-in programs for people above 18? Um, mm-hmm. I just need to point out that uh, there, is, there is like an ethical issue associated to that because the, the people who like the age group that's most at risk is the seniors. The seniors are most at risk of getting COVID and getting it serious and possibly even um, dying from it. And so the priority for vaccinations should really be the senior citizens. And this is exactly what the National Immunization Immunization Program is doing. They are prioritizing the senior citizens to vaccinate. And the thing with this AZ vaccine opt-in program is that that's not what we're doing. We are just doing this on a first-come, first-serve basis. And if you have a good internet connection and a good computer, you get it. If not, I'm sorry, you're doomed. You're not going to be able to get it if you are a person in your 60s and you don't know how to access the website and don't know how to book your, for your own appointment. I'm sorry, you're doomed as well. And that isn't exactly... If you're disabled and you can't like... And you can't differentiate a crossroad from a normal road. That's right. Or you can't can't click a traffic light. (laughs) You can't identify traffic lights. I'm sorry, you're a robot. Okay, go die. Um, Pretty much. Yeah, but for for real, there's just a question to how ethical this this program is. And um, again, like, I just want to raise awareness to that. I guess the, some, the, the government somewhat tried to rectify this by uh, allowing three days for senior citizens above 60 to sign up for the, the, the AstraZeneca vaccine first. But this doesn't solve the entire problem. You know, we, again, we need to be prioritizing senior citizens. And that is not what we're doing right now. And this really, this is costing people's lives, really. Because most of the deaths are really from, you know, uh, the senior age group and and these are not the people we are prior- prioritizing to vaccine like that's that's just wrong I mean look again there's nothing we can do about it but uh, in light of this given the opportunity uh, I know it's a bit too late to say this but like you know if you're above 18 you really should just go for it there is no reason nothing stopping you to do it unless of course allergies um, or or if You're you know pregnant. there's a third party factor involved with countries preferring like other vaccines instead of like mm-hmm. you know that then yes that's not that's not something that we that is within our control but anything that's within your control there is no reason for you to just say no to an opt-in program like that like do you ever think any other country would have such an amazing opt-in program for 18 years old you know no one would do this this is amazing this is malaysia um but <laughs> but, but yeah malaysia. with this opportunity <laughs> I don't see why anyone should just like say, oh, we'll just wait and see. Because this is not a wait and see situation. COVID's not waiting and see. <laughs> You're just going to get it. Okay, COVID. I'm sorry. COVID, <laughs> COVID don't wait for anybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, I believe, if I'm not wrong, the, uh, the government is uh, planning to ramp up vaccinations. Uh, given our very limited number of uh, listeners I don't know how much of an impact this will make but if you haven't registered (laughs) please register to like get vaccinated 
Get because vaccinated. Yep. If you don't know how to register, it's on your MySajatra app. Yes. Just go there, click on the vaccine and just sign up. And then eventually, the government will get to you when it comes to your turn on the yes. national immunization. Yes, <laughs> 2028. Um, but, but no, soon enough. <laughs> yeah, wait, soon I enough. wanted to talk about yeah. that just now. Uh-huh. Yes. It's, Actually, yes. It, you know, it, this is a good segue into about... our current vaccine situation. Yes. yes. We are estimated to reach herd immunity in five years. Excuse me. <laughs> are we taking so long? Yeah. Um, the rate we're vaccinating our population is terrible. It, it is, is terrible. It's really so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, More the, the reason to vaccinate. Vaccinate, please. Please. Faster cut queue and get your vaccination. Yeah. Please. Yeah. yeah. But, but no, seriously, we are doing, we are going at a very, very slow pace. And... To, 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 to the credit of, you know, um, the Special Committee for Vaccinations in the country, we have ramped up vaccinations quite substantially this week. We actually peaked at about 110,000 vaccinations in a day just uh, on the 27th of May. Um, but again, that is not enough. <laughs> we need to go much faster. And it's it's good to see that, like, the government uh, is taking like, initiatives you know, to uh, involve, like, the private sector and the and the GPs um, for the vaccination program starting in June, uh, which will help them uh, get their daily vaccinations to about one hundred and fifty thousand a day. Of course, the faster it is, the better. And so, any any effort to make this faster is 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 always good. But but yeah, we are still going really slow. It's been about like three months in, and um, hasn't really ramped up until like the past week. Um, and so, hopefully, it stays this way, and hopefully, it gets even faster. Um, but obviously there is that but there is also the fact that people need to register for the vaccine because if there's no one registering for it no one's going to end up getting jabbed and um, Mm -hmm. yeah it's really important that like you know registration awareness information it's very important like we've said like for the whole episode yeah so about the vaccine situation right now uh, it seems that the AstraZeneca vaccine is going back into the national immunization program, which, yes, too bad is a bad thing for like everyone who wants to get the vaccine faster. But it really is a good thing because we are we are going to be immunizing our our senior citizens faster, and that's going to really really help to prevent hospitalizations and deaths, and that's going to help in the durability of the healthcare system really because it it is really really being strained right now. So, um, uh, according to what I have here, I have uh, it says there's about six hundred and ten thousand doses of AstraZeneca coming in June, and another two point two million of Pfizer and BioTech vaccines uh, coming in June as well. And there's definitely more, a few million Sinovac vaccines coming as well. So we are gonna um, we're gonna have quite a lot of vaccines, uh, but most importantly, we also need to like start vaccinating fast. So I actually got the stats from like the announcement they just made on the 30th of May. And um, it actually says that uh, they are enlisting about 1,000 GPs and private hospitals to administer 40,000 doses of vaccines per day by the end of June. And on top of that, another initiative they are starting is the drive through vaccination. And they are also um, uh, setting up new uh, PPVs, which is vaccination administration centers because in Malay it's Pusat, Bumbarian vaccine. Um, and they're opening five new mega PPVs around the Klang Valley from uh, 7th of June and they're looking into that for other states as well. So hopefully this increases like the daily average um, vaccinations to their target of 150,000. Um, but again, any effort to make it faster is better. So um, 150,000 is good, but you know, given our current situation, we really should, really should like work on making it even gotta faster. Go fast. yeah. Gotta go we faster. Gotta go That's fast, right. Like That's right. To the moon. To the moon. Gosh. Um. But yeah. No. Seriously. I think. Um. I think. I think it's. Uh. I think it's been somewhat. I think it's been somewhat okay. I mean, our vaccine, our vaccination rate has been slow, but we are slowly speeding up, and uh, it's a good thing. It really is a good thing. Um, 
I, I, if anything, with like the current vaccination right now, it's just that I have one huge complaint. Like, um, for me personally, it's because I, I personally like collect, I, I record my own data on like how COVID's going in the country, and I, you know, I like to look at it. And one thing the government doesn't do is they don't release the amount of vaccines they have in the inventory, and it's really hard to keep track of that. And we don't know when the vaccine deliveries are being made and for what brand and how much and there's no transparency in that at all they're just giving like random numbers and we're gonna have like enough vaccines for like 120% of like excuse me what how many is that when are they coming and like in what batches and what brand are they like these things are not being made available and this is also one of the things that's really not helping with spreading information spreading the correct information and getting people informed about the situation that we're in right now and I just feel like there's a huge gap to fill in terms of that. Yeah. I think I speak on behalf of the Rakyat when I say that a lot of us are really disappointed in how it's being handled because the phases have been delayed by a lot. Yeah. The yeah. actual, the national immunization program, like mm-hmm. it's taken, it, it, I think they're really behind schedule with the phases. Um, well, so far, the phase two, which is uh, vaccinating senior citizens, supposed to end in June. Um, but if I'm not wrong, we have about like only 70, like late, people in their late 70s only getting vaccinated now. So it's, it, we are, yeah, it's not, it's not going that well. <laughs> like following the, what the program was supposed to be, my, my dad should have been vaccinated very soon. Mm. And he knew it wasn't going anywhere because we haven't, we haven't gotten any transparent data on how many vaccines we have. I just know we had a shortage at one point. Yeah. Because we also had to donate a bit to a different country. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Uh. Yeah, it was great. It was great. But uh-huh. um, so that made my dad decide to take the AZ vaccine too because he was I like, see. I have no, if I leave it to the government, I'm not sure how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Mm. And considering how young we are, right? And the fact that it's going to take us about five years to reach herd immunity. <laughs> If we just didn't jump queue to get the AZ one, imagine how long it would have taken us to get vaccinated. Yeah, um, definitely something that like the country needs to work on, I think. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we've like covered most of our bases already. Um, but just in, in in summary, you know, in light of this, uh, in light of this announcement for for a total lockdown, and the way we're going, I just feel like. This is a good step. It's a step in the right direction. And um, just really counting on more testing, better compliance, and uh, obviously just more proactivity. Ex- activism. I don't know. I still don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. New word of the day. Pro. Wait, I need to Google this. Proactivism denounces bigotry towards much. No, sorry, this is a, this is an organization. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what is the noun for being proactive? Pro. Oh it's proactivity. God. It's proactivity it refers to self-initiated oh. behavior. Okay, it's proactivity. We need yes, more compliance, more testing, and better proactivity. That's in summary. Um. Mm-hmm. Yes, to sum up our I don't know how long a podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Megan, Ashley, do you guys have any like final thoughts on just a summary of how you feel about this, this, this total lockdown that's coming for us? Just get vaccinated. Mm. Yeah, one thing, get vaccinated. Really do. If you have the chance. Yeah, if the chance is there, freaking take it, man. Mm-hmm. Like, but also, um, I don't know, I want to say that we're all just talking from the point of view of students. Yeah. I, I don't know, I think I, I want to say that's like kind of important because we can't, it might be a total different story for someone else. Yes. Yeah. So I just want to emphasize that we are just yeah. But, students. But, yeah, but if you're, if you're privileged and... Uh, you know, if if you're in a privileged position, like I would think mm-hmm. we are, and um, yeah, and you have the opportunity to like take the vaccine, and you have access to the right information to understand what's going on. Understand it, learn it, read about it, and like 
you know just don't 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 um don't don't get yourself involved with those whatsapp messages from your aunties and debunk uncles, okay? fake news yes. fight the aunties yeah, fight the please, uncles please educate like, educate, yeah, educate the people around you yeah educate like information is really power right now and um, I feel like that's really what's lacking to like everyone around us so if you're in a position to um, find out about this and learn more about it be proactive and like you know look look up uh, all of this this info um and hopefully this episode has like helped with that as well mm-hmm. yeah um well yes i guess that is uh all we uh plan to like discuss today um and you will be tuned back to your normal programming of um <laughs> our third episode um entitled um forgiving and forgetting which is supposedly being published on 15 june don't boycott me if that doesn't happen okay uh (laughs) yes any final thoughts before i scream goodbye megan and ashley i've said everything i want to say again vaccinate 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 Mm. fight uncles and aunties fight (laughs) please please don't get this wrong we are not inciting violence here just you know no don't don't encourage you can if you can delete the fake messages, please do, yeah? Please? No, no, no fake news. <laughs> Educate your parents. Educate. Yeah. Let Educate. them know. Get them protected. Mm-hmm. Vaccinate, ac- wait, vaccinate, educate, and pro-activism. <laughs> pro, pro, pro-activity. It's pro-activity. Pro-activism is an organization. I'm sorry. I rephrase that. that. <laughs> Wait, wait, vaccinate, educate, and proactivity. Okay. To the moon. To the moon. Okay. Oh my gosh. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Vaccinate.